0: you know, your loins girded about the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness, and we saw the helmet, and last week we talked about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, the, what he goes into now in these next three verses, a lot of times people neglect this when they're talking about the whole armor of God, and they go down the various pieces of armor and, you know, your feet and so on and, and and then they come to this last section and act like it's not a part of it. In reality, these three verses on prayer are in a sense defining the whole way that God gets things done. They're laying out where the battle is really fought. Okay, yes, you have truth and righteousness and the gospel and the sword of the spirit and the helmet of salvation. You, you have all of that. But in reality, this is the key as he talks about prayer. He sums up the whole thing, and prayer isn't likened to any piece of the armor because prayer is the battlefield itself. Prayer is where spiritual life happens. Prayer is where God does what he is going to do. And I think in a lot of times that's not controversial. We tend to agree with that, but I think a lot of times we don't recognize or pay attention to or give, give heed to the importance of prayer in our lives. Now, I don't know why, because Jesus prayed all the time Jesus would get up early in the morning before everyone else and go out and pray. He would stay up late after everyone else went to bed, and he would pray. He would leave people standing guard so he could pray. He would climb a mountain so he could pray, cross the sea so he could pray. Jesus was constantly in prayer. And of all the great things that Jesus did, the disciples never asked him to teach them about any of them except prayer because they realized that when he prayed, something happened. And so they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Didn't say teach us to heal or teach us to study or teach us to preach. Teach us to pray. And for us as well, if it was important for him, think about it, he's God. He's perfect. He never messes up at all, never made a mistake in his life. He has all of the wisdom and the capacity of the whole universe at his disposal. And yet for him, it was important to pray a lot. Now, if he needed it, boy, do we need it big time. And I, and I think we realize this, but sometimes we certainly fall short. And the cost of that is tremendous. The Bible teaches, us, James said, you have not because you ask not. You understand how heavy that is, that there are things that we could have if we would only ask, things that God wants to give us, things that God wants to do in our lives, and he doesn't do it or he can't do it, however you want to look at it, for some reason we don't have it because we haven't prayed. I wonder what we are missing out on with the way that we are so casual in the amount of time that we dedicate to prayer. But James goes on to say also, and when you do pray, you're praying wrong, you're praying for the wrong things, you're praying selfishly, and, and so then you get ripped off as well. You know, the, there's that old hymn that says, oh, what peace we often forfeit, oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer, and it's true. Prayer is the battleground. It's where it happens. And as a result, if Satan wants to defeat us because he's our enemy, all he has to do is get us to not pray. Satan is not that threatened if we study. We can read and read and read and study and study and study. And as long as we're not having God empower us to use that, it's not doing a lot of damage. You know, the spiritual battle is not a battle of where you take a test. And if you get enough right answers, Satan loses. It's much more than that. And Satan knows he's a goner if we pray. While we've armed ourselves, we have to pray. And so Satan gives us a million excuses why we don't. Sometimes we don't pray because we feel like it doesn't really do anything. But the scriptures tell us that it does. And again, if Jesus prayed, we certainly need to. Other times we don't pray because we feel like, you know, it's not going to change God. Well, I don't understand all the mechanics of what happens when I pray. But I know I'm commanded to pray and I know there's power in it. And I know if I don't, things go bad. I need to pray. There are other times we feel like, well... I'd like to pray, but I don't really know how. I don't know the words to use. I feel stupid when I pray. It's not about words or language. It's not about putting on a show. It's not about impressing anyone. It's about simply going to God and letting our requests be laid out before him, and we need to do that. We need to pray. We can't let anything stand in the way of it. Other times we don't pray because, well, for some people, prayer is primarily a group activity, and you've been in group prayers, and it's uncomfortable, you know, and I mean, I'll join you in that. Some, my favorite times of prayer are when it's just me and the Lord. Praying with other people, inevitably, if you get six, seven, eight people together, um, it, it's a blessing to pray for others with them, and it's a blessing to pray with others, but primarily biblically, that's not what prayer was. And the reason is, if you pray with other people long enough, they're gonna say something really goofy. And somebody's gonna, or somebody's gonna start showing off, and, and their prayer is gonna sound like a sermon, it's gonna turn into one, or it's a bragging session, or it turns into a just dumping, and, and it's like, man. We can get turned off to prayer just because of that, but prayer is something that's between us and God. We shouldn't let somebody else praying stupid keep us from praying at all, but sometimes sometimes that happens. Other times we think we don't have time to pray. Oh man, I'd love to pray, but I just don't have time. Do you understand? Prayer is where the battle is done. You are wasting your time if you're doing anything other than praying if you haven't prayed first. You don't have anything more important to do than to pray. Other times, it's like, man, as soon as I start to pray, I get groggy, I just start falling asleep. (laughs) Well, two things. For one thing, falling asleep praying isn't the worst thing in the world. I love to have my last thought. When I go to sleep, to be a prayer. But also, sometimes you just have to, you know, uh, keep yourself awake somehow. I, if you're a coffee drinker, drink coffee. Otherwise, pick a time of day when you're alert or get those little five hour energy shot things and just, that's what I do. I keep them in my study here and I keep them in my study at home. And as soon as I start praying, the devil starts going, la 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 la. And I just take I don't like coffee. I mean, I, I think coffee is something God probably invented to keep people awake, but I don't like it. But God's perfect invention to keep people awake is chocolate, but it's really bad for you. So those other things are, you know, sugar-free, a bunch of whatever they put in those things. But I know it wakes me up. But we got to pray. The devil wants you to go to sleep instead of pray. He wants you to even work rather than pray. But prayer is where the battle is fought. And we are missing out hugely because we don't pray. And so here, beginning with verse 18, let's take a look at this. This, remember, is what, this is spiritual warfare number seven in our study. This is what it all comes down to. Verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, and for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Wow, there is a a ton of stuff in here about prayer. Lots of lessons. I could spend, I could go into a seven week series on these verses, but I'm not going to. Um, because we're going to finish Ephesians next Sunday, Lord willing. Oh, and by the way, then people are going, what are we going to do after Ephesians? It's a surprise <laughs> to me, too. But, <laughs> might just spend five weeks answering questions. No, I'm, I'll come up with something. But, uh, The first thing that that just jumps out at me here in this passage is that prayer is not primarily for yourself. It's praying for others. Prayer is essentially intercession. Biblically, when you see prayers, it's people praying for other people. Now, a lot of times when we think of prayer, it's like sitting on God's psychological couch and I lay there and I just tell him what I'm thinking and I tell him what I'm feeling and I dump all my baggage and I pray for me and me and me and me and me. Now in James again, where he says, you ask you have not because you ask not, you ask and you don't receive because you ask amiss. You're asking wrong, because what you're doing is asking for yourself to fulfill those lesson desires that you have. Now it's okay. For you to dump on God. It's okay for you to ask stuff for yourself. All I'm saying is, when you look in the scriptures so often, in fact, every time I can think of, prayer isn't about me. It's not about what I feel, what I want, what I need, because that's distorted anyway. Even it's not about, you know, that I want to grow or whatever. Primarily, the focus of prayer in scriptures always is, as he is saying here, pray for all the saints. It's prayer for others. Think about even Jesus in his most intimate prayer, John 17. We, we see Jesus as he's about to go and die. But what's he praying about? Himself? No, in fact, we call it his high priestly prayer because it's a beautiful layout of intercession. He's praying for the disciples. He's praying for us. Prayer is, although primarily, I would suggest that if you look at biblically, prayer is primarily something that we do in our prayer closet, that we do alone. It's something that's between me and God, although there are times when we pray together with others, and that's something that God endorses and something that's a wonderful experience. I just think sometimes we do it too long. You can pray as long as you want when it's just you and God. When you're praying with other people, keep it to a minimum, Charles Spurgeon said, I have heard many men who could pray me right into the presence of God and then pray me right back out again. (laughs) And I've seen that, and I've been guilty of that, okay? But prayer is primarily for others. Even think about Jesus, the prayer that he taught his disciples to pray. We call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's really not the Lord's Prayer. It's the disciples' prayer that he modeled for us. But think about what he prayed. Our Father, plural, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Do you think Jesus was hungry? Do you think he was like, give me my daily bread? No, it was give us our daily bread. When Jesus one time hadn't eaten for a long time, the disciples said, aren't you starved? And he said, I have meat that you know not of. No, Jesus wasn't concerned for himself, but he knew how hungry we get. And so he said, give us this day our daily bread. And then it gets even more amazing. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. (laughs) Forgive us? Jesus didn't do anything. What in the world did he have to ask forgiveness for? Well, he was identifying with us. And so in joining together with us corporately, he's like, Between us, we're a mess. And and you'll see throughout the scriptures, great leaders in the Bible would pray. And I mean, Moses was an incredible example of this, praying constantly for the people, Not, not for himself, he hadn't done anything, but it was identifying with God's people and saying, we have sinned, we have failed, repenting, realizing I'm a part of this team. You know, this is... This is me. I remember reading about one uh, uh an nBA player. I can't remember who it was that was in that was in uh, he was a roommate of Elgin Baylor. Elgin Baylor played for the Lakers way back and and Elgin Baylor had a great night where he scored over fifty points. and this guy was a bench warmer, and he scored three points. and when they got into the limousine, everybody's snapping pictures and everything and and this other player said to Elgin Baylor, he said, hey, pretty good, 54 for our car, (laughs) you know, because it was like, look, we scored all these points. But that's the kind of spiritual identity that we're talking about, where it's like, we are in this together. We celebrate victory together, but we also fail and fall and hurt together. We're in this together. And that's why prayer, as Jesus modeled it, forgive us, lead us not into temptation." You know, that was what prayer was. And for you, for me, our primary exercise of prayer should not be praying for ourselves. Praying for what we want, praying for what we want to happen. God, use me, help me, bless me. You know, you know it's about praying for each other. And Paul understood that. And so he says, hey, pray for all the saints. And then he goes on and says, pray for me. And that's something that, That's one reason why prayer is so important is that I need you to pray for me. You need me to pray for you. We need each other to pray for us. It means that when things don't go right for you, it might be because somebody else was supposed to be praying and they didn't. Praying for people is such a blessing. Praying with them, for them is something that that does more for us than all of the good advice we can offer, all of the blessings that we can mention, all the wonderful thoughts that we do. I'm, I'm so thankful that when it comes down to it, I can do what matters most and pray for someone. This week, I was in the hospital visiting a gal from our church who's um, on the verge of of going to be with the Lord, and she's great with it. She's she's fine. She's ready to see God, but. Physically, she's really fallen apart, and it's difficult. And you know, it's hard course for her husband. And we talked a lot and about different things, and we, you know, reminisced. And it was, it had a great conversation with her. But I was so thankful that at the end I could pray with her, and I felt like, you know, okay, I'm sitting here in a hospital making small talk with someone, and is that really going to do much good ultimately? I don't know, but. I felt like when I get to go before the throne of grace for her, with her, and pray for her, I know what that meant. I know what that matters. And, and that's something that is designed to pull us together. You understand that if you have loved ones that have gone through difficult times, and you're praying for them, and it just binds you together. It's, it's so much a part of how God does things. And it's something that if you care for other people, you've, you've got to pray. You've got to pray for them. It, it matters a lot. It matters in a, in a huge way. Prayer is intercession. Prayer is going to bat for someone else. And so Paul makes that clear here. But notice also he says, praying always. And then down later on in verse 18, with all perseverance. Prayer is something that needs to be persistent. We can't stop. We need to keep going on. It's it's something that you don't want to give up. You don't want to lose heart. Over in Luke chapter 18, Jesus talking to his disciples about this very thing. Luke 18 and verse 1, it says, Then he spoke a parable to them, so that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. And he said, verse two, there was in a certain city a judge who didn't fear God and didn't regard men. He, didn't, he just cared about himself. Didn't have to add that, he, he's a judge. But now there was a widow in that city and she came to him and said, get justice for me from my adversary. She needed a legal decision to be rendered. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, she just keeps bugging me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she wearies me. I'm just worn out from this nagging, so fine, I'll do it. (laughs) Weird example to explain about so people would keep praying. But then the Lord said, Jesus said, hear what the unjust judge said, listen, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? So Jesus said, Look, even in a worldly situation where a person doesn't care about God at all, if you ask like you really mean it and you continue to ask, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Now, he's not saying that you need to keep bugging God, that you, know, you need to pester him so that he will answer the prayer. But what does he say? Is God gonna find faith on the earth? Are you faithful enough to stick with this? And of course, he will answer you. If an unjust judge will answer someone who's persistent, of course, when you cry to God day and night, of course he'll answer. Of course he's gonna do it, and he'll do it right on time. He'll do it with perfect timing, speedily. But remember, Jesus told the parable so that we wouldn't give up. So many times we pray for somebody, and then it's like, okay, I did that. It's over. And also what we see here is There's a passionate element to it. You show your faithfulness as you continue to pray, crying out day and night. Notice here in Ephesians 6, it says prayer and supplication. Prayer is asking, supplicating is passionately appealing and and begging. And, and, And again, with perseverance and supplication, In the end of verse 18. So when we pray, we need to pray like we really mean it. When we pray, we need to want God to do something. We need to pray like it's really going to make a difference. And we need to continue to pray and not to give up and not to fall short. There are people who have prayed for someone for years and years and years. And then amazingly, they continue to pray when everyone else has given up. And... Boom, God answers that prayer. And we've just got to keep praying. I know people who have gone through great trials in their marriages even. And a godly person is praying for their spouse, and everyone's just going, give it up. Okay, don't even tell us to pray for that loser anymore. We've prayed. Obviously, God's not going to answer. Wake up and smell the coffee. Hang it up. Go while the getting's good. (laughs) and get out of there. And yet, inside the heart of that person was, I will not let go. I am going to continue to pray. And what a glorious thing it is when then finally that prayer is answered because somebody hung in there. Now, there is a place where God may show you, stop praying for that. But until he does, like Paul said, he was praying to be delivered from his thorn in the flesh. And after three times of crying out to God, at that point, God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. I am using this. Yours, your weakness will be made perfect in my strength. Let it go. And if God does that to you, fine. If he doesn't, keep praying. Man, I remember there was an old old um, Jewish Christian, Danny Rose, that we knew when I was a little kid. And he was involved at the, at the Jewish evangelism department down at the Church of the Open Door. And Danny, you know, it's hard for Jews to get saved. And if you are a Jew who has come to Jesus as your Messiah, you're pretty rare. And he was, and he continued to pray for his relatives. He lived for a long time. He, came, he became a Christian as a young man, and for 80 some years he continued to pray for all of his relatives and none of them accepted the lord but thankfully danny rose kept praying and thankfully he lived a long time he lived to be over a hundred and ended up seeing finally hundreds of his family members come to jesus Because he prayed when nobody else would. He continued to pray, and he prayed like he meant it, and he wanted it to happen, and God answered beautifully for those prayers. And we need to hang in there. This is a battle. This is the battlefield. And if you're going to wimp out on the battlefield, you're going to lose the battle. And Satan wants you to give up. He wants you to wimp out. But Jesus taught us, and Paul here is reminding us, no, you keep praying passionately, persistently, don't let up. I remember, and maybe some of you have heard Pastor Chuck tell the story, when he was a little kid, if he would get hurt, he would go to his mom and she would pray for him and kiss the little owie and he'd go off and be fine. But when he was a little boy, about three years old, his mom told him that he he came to her and he was hurt and she was busy doing something and she just goes, okay, Jesus, please heal Chuck, amen. Amen. And he goes. Wait. He goes. Mom, pray again. And this time, pray like you mean it. <laughs> and, and I think sometimes God listens to us, and He's like, "Do you even want this? Do you? Do you even? Are you? Are you just asking me like, eh, You know, tossing it out there? Do you really want this? Is your heart in this? Are you faithfully, persistently? It's it's the fervent." Burning prayer of a righteous person that avails much in the life of a Christian. And so we see that here. But also notice in verse 18 with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Spirit uh, prayer is an activity that involves the Trinity, it involves the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We pray to the Father primarily. Almost every prayer in the Bible is addressed to the Father. Now, some people trip out about this and say, oh, if you're praying to Jesus, you're praying wrong. No, that's you can pray to Jesus if it makes you feel good. Most of the prayers in the Bible are prayed to the Father. Now, if you want to argue about that, check out when Stephen was stoned, and as he was dying, the first martyr of the church, he prayed to Jesus. So it's okay to do that. But primarily, prayer is addressed to the Father, and it's in the name of the Son, in the authority of Jesus Christ. And it's through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is involved in our prayers. Now, when it says praying in the Spirit, people have had great discussions as to whether, well, does this mean praying in tongues, or does this mean something else? And I would suggest it probably can mean either one. In 1 Corinthians 14 Paul talks about praying in the spirit and he's clearly talking about praying in tongues because that's the whole context and he says I pray with the spirit and I pray with my mind also doing both so certainly that can be the case where it talks about in Romans chapter 8 the fact that when we pray the spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words so perhaps that is that time when you are praying and you don't know what to say and god just takes over the the your vocal cords and and whatever comes out is heard by god and it's communication to god and that's a beautiful thing but i but i don't think that every time it talks about praying in the spirit it's necessarily referring to that and so if you're like one of these people that's paranoid of tongues don't worry you can still pray in the spirit and because The Spirit is the one that we are in communion with as we are praying. See, when I'm praying, I'm also listening. And I'm allowing the Spirit to lead me and to move me. I'm letting Him lay things on my heart. Sometimes if I'm praying for one person and somebody else pops into my mind, it's not necessarily that I just got distracted. It's not an ADD moment necessarily. It may be a Spirit moment, where the Holy Spirit is leading my thoughts over in a different direction. When I'm praying, as I'm thinking about people, I am praying for them. So don't worry about your mind kind of wandering. Just do it, go with it, with the Spirit, and turn your meandering into prayer. Turn it into something that actually it flows forth in communication. The Holy Spirit wants to be involved with your prayer. Prayer is not something that you do in the flesh, Prayer is not something that you do independently of God's Spirit. You can do that. You can get a prayer list and just go down the the list and recite them. But God wants so much more than that. He wants a special time of communion, and we need help in that battlefield of prayer. And the Holy Spirit is the help who is there for us. And so Paul's reminding us of that. Hey, let the Spirit be involved in this. This isn't just a carnal activity. It's not just about going through the motions. Now, there are people who believe, oh, you know, you need to pray a lot for someone. And so there was a tradition that was started called a prayer wheel because they took a disc and they would write prayer requests on the disc and they're going, as I turn the wheel, whenever that request comes to the top, that's a prayer to God. And it's like, oh, it's pretty nice. I can have a sandwich and I can pray. And then they were just like, whoa, look, I can spin it. Look how much prayer is happening then. And then they made them into pinwheels and they stuck them outside so that the wind would spin it and the wind would pray for you. And your little request would be, no, this is personal communion between you and God. This is something that's, that's conscious. It's something that's spiritual. It's, it's active involvement in spiritual warfare. It's how God chooses to get his stuff done. It's how God chooses to work. And as we pray for each other, we find that we are drawn together. If you have somebody that bugs you, and I, I do, there are people that just do things or say things that just really irritate me. And some people, I just, you know, they're like, okay, he's a Christian, I'm sure, I hope. But I hope we're in a different area of heaven. because. I... And when that happens, none of you, of course. Laughter. Um, But when that happens, I deliberately and passionately will pray for a person. It's really hard to be bugged at somebody that you're praying for. And the Holy Spirit just leads us in that activity. It's a powerful way for God to work. And he does it through us when we do this persistently, passionately, directively in the Spirit, led by the Spirit of God. And another thing that we see here is he says being watchful to this end it's that word watchful means not sleeping and again as i said earlier sleep sometimes is a real enemy of prayer so stay awake pay attention pray at a time don't don't necessarily pray when you're really tired get up and do something pray while you're walking you know pray while you're while you're involved in some other activity and have your eyes open pay attention. When you're out and about, when you're at the mall, when you're at the store, when you're out at the beach, when you are driving your car on the road, stay awake as you pray and look for people to pray for. You see somebody on the street and it's like, it can either be, look at that bum, I don't believe he'd really work for food, or it could be, I should pray for that guy. You know, I kind of learned this lesson a little bit when I was dating Ann. And I, had, I shouldn't even tell you this story because it makes me look in a horrible light, but it'll give you some insight into why you should pray for me. When, when, I was, when I was younger, I worked in a gas station. We were out on a really busy street on Beach Boulevard, and there were constant wrecks taking place. And it was exciting when you'd hear tires skidding. And, sorry, and it, was, it gets worse. I developed this reflex where when I heard a skid, I would just reactively say, hit him. I know, you know. (laughs) I'd like to say it was just in my BC days, but it carried over. And so when I was dating Ann, we'd hear, and I'd go, hit him. And she'd go, Lord, please be with that person and bless him. Every time she heard a skid, she would pray. Every time I heard a skid, I would say, hit him. And it took me a little while before I realized... I think the prayer thing is really the way to go. (laughs) But how many times around you is there an opportunity to pray and make a real difference for someone? And, And yet, we don't take that. If you have not because you ask not, and we are to pray for each other, other people are getting ripped off because you don't pray. Other people are missing out on what God wants to do because he's waiting for you to ask. And that's powerful stuff. That's amazing stuff. I mean, and, and then Paul goes on. Ooh, it's getting late. Um, Paul goes on and says, and for me. I love that Paul said, pray for me. You see this throughout his epistles. He is always saying, I am praying for you. And here's what I'm praying. And would you pray for me? It's a humbling sort of thing to ask someone to pray But Paul had no problem doing that. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. First, I love that phrase, I'm an ambassador in chains. I am representing someone to another culture, to another land, and for me, my gig is, I'm imprisoned most of the time, but I am an ambassador, and I am carrying a message to people who desperately need it. And then he says, "Pray for me. Pray for me that I will be able to say it right." Now, Paul really need that? The guy was so eloquent. he had such a way with words, and yet he's going, Pray for me that I'll be able to put the gospel into words in such a way that people will understand it and comprehend it and respond to it. Pray for eloquence for me. And then even more amazing, I think, pray for boldness. Paul? I mean, come on, he was always getting beat up for preaching the gospel. And he boldly stood out and did that right to the very end. And yet he prayed here and other places Pray for boldness for me. Go through the book of Acts and look how many times the disciples and others prayed for boldness. And they were bold. And you go, why'd they pray for boldness? They were already bold. Well, did you ever stop and think maybe the reason they're bold is because they were always asking people to pray that they would be bold and therefore God was answering those prayers? Or maybe they realized when I'm bold, great things happen. Pray for me that I'll be even more bold. And this is something I know, for me as a pastor, I would love it if you would pray this for me. And you may go, oh no, Dave, we don't want you to be any more bold than you are. <laughs> but truthfully, every day, it's, it's not easy to just say what God says and to do what you know is right. That is a battle. It's a battle for all of us. And we all need the courage and the strength to do what's right Despite the fact that it may have ramifications, that people may think badly of you, that you may hurt people's feelings or whatever, please pray for me for boldness. I need that. And I don't always pray for myself for it. I need you to do it. And I pray the same for you as I pray for the church. And I don't just pray generic prayers, you know, like, oh, God bless our whole church. Like when I was a kid, people, oh, you know, you start Bless this person, and this person, and this person, and it's like, yeah, you come up with the generic, Lord, bless everyone, bless all the missionaries on the foreign fields, bless every person in the world, and that's a sweet thing to pray, but how about being a little more specific? And and I love spending time praying for our church, and, and there are many of you that I know you by sight, but I may not even know your name, I may not know everything that's going on in your life, but... But I think of you and I pray for you because I believe that that makes a difference. Now, there are some of you I know very well because you're always coming in here dumping your garbage on me. And, I, and for you, I pray even more. So, okay, go ahead. You know, there are sometimes, frankly, where on a Sunday, I probably don't knock it out of the park. There are sometimes when I preach a lousy sermon, to be honest with you, And if I do, it's your fault because your job is to pray for me, to have eloquence, to to speak it correctly and clearly, and to speak it boldly. And if I don't do that, that's your fault. So pray for me. And and that's what Paul says here to them. And this is essential if we're going to win the battle, prayer, spending time in prayer being willing to fight the battle on our knees before God. Jesus Christ died so that we could come boldly before the throne of grace. Before that, only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies and then only once a year on Yom Kippur, the day of atonement. Because of what Jesus did, the veil was ripped in half and we can go before him and we go, yeah, I could do that but I just don't. Yeah, I could do that, but I don't take advantage of it. It's so, it's so sad when people are losing the battle because people like me and you don't pray as we could, as we should. This is more important than everything else that we do in life, that we spend quality time in prayer for each other and this is really ultimately where the battle is won or lost based on whether or not we do this does that completely make sense to me no honestly there's a lot that i don't understand about prayer come on wednesday night and ask me questions about prayer and a lot of times my answer is going to be i don't know but i know this clearly the scripture teaches This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where the battle happens. This is where it is won. We all stand or fall based on whether we will all do this for each other. And that's God. That's his command. That's his guarantee. That's our charge as soldiers, that we put this first ahead of everything else. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your promises for your word for these reminders oh we know how your heart longs to see us discover the power of prayer because you're waiting and wanting to do so much more for us if, if we'll just pray for each other so God remind us of this as Satan tries every trick in his book to hold us back from the power of prayer. God, help us to diligently step out and invest time and schedule time and say no to a bunch of other things so that we can say yes to prayer. As your disciples never ask you to teach them to preach or to study or to heal. They ask you teach us to pray, and we ask you also teach us to pray. Not just how to pray, teach us to pray. Help us, Lord, in this. In Jesus' name, amen.